0: Defense Dialogue, a podcast discussing contemporary challenges in the area of European security and defense, brought to you by the Martin Center with Nicholas Novacky.
1: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Wilfried Martin Center for European Studies Defense Dialogue podcast series. My name is uh, Dr. Nicholas Novacky, and as always, I'll be your host uh, for this episode and. With me uh, again for this episode is my uh, colleague and good friend Alvaro de la Cruz from the uh, communications team. So Alvaro, good to have you uh, here again. And it's been a while since we recorded the uh, the last episode, but it's, it's good to do this one before the summer.
0: Yeah, thank you to have me. I'm really happy to be back and s- most of all, I'm really happy to be able to finally say welcome to NATO, Finland,
1: Sweden. Uh, it's been a, a long wait, but oh my god, it feels good. Well, let's not jinx it quite yet, because I mean, there <laughs> might still be like some time to go. Just have to hope that uh, all of the allies approve uh, the, uh, the 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 accession of both Finland and, and and Sweden as as quickly as possible. But yeah, it, it's it's been a rather interesting interesting. Um, Year and if if somebody had asked me like earlier this year at the beginning of the year, I mean, if Finland and Sweden would apply for NATO, or actually, like if a few years ago, I mean, if what would be more likely, Finland and Sweden applying for NATO or a global pandemic shutting down the economy, I mean, I would have probably laughed at both options. Like to be honest, at you, but (laughs) but yeah, I mean, it's it's a strange time, but yeah. Like going from Finland and Sweden to, to joining NATO, uh, it's it's not actually too far from the the issue that I wanted to like discuss today, which is NATO's new 2022 strategic concept and and, and uh, what it means for the uh, alliance and and and, and etc. So NATO adopted a new strategic concept at its Madrid summit at the end of June, and this is the uh, I believe eighth uh, strategic concept that NATO has adopted uh, since since its founding in 1949 and uh, the fourth uh, since the end of the Cold War. And the strategic uh, uh, concept is a very important document for NATO because it uh, describes NATO's security environment, uh, it reaffirms its core values and principles, it spells out NATO's purpose, and it also defines its core tasks. So a very important strategic document. The previous strategic concept was uh, adopted all the way back in 2010 when NATO had its uh, summit in, in Lisbon. Uh, and this was, of course, a period in time when NATO faced a completely like different strategic environment and a completely different set of challenges than it faces today. And indeed, the new strategic concept has been adopted at what is a rather challenging moment in time and in history for NATO. Um, and a lot has changed like since the previous strategic concept was adopted. So Russia annexed Crimea in 2014, and, and it, now it has launched... An unprovoked uh, war against Ukraine. I mean, which which began in February of, of uh, this year, as we all know. And it's interesting when you look at the uh, 2010 strategic uh, concept. Russia is still described as a, as a partner uh, in in that document. But in the new document, uh, Russia is very clearly described as a, as the most significant. And direct threat to the ally security and to peace and stability in the, in the Euro-Atlantic area. So it's a rather different formulation, which which I believe like reflects quite well the the, the moment uh, in time uh, that the uh, allies are currently like facing. China, uh, China's foreign policy and geopolitical ambitions are also a much bigger challenge um, in in the current uh, new strategic concept that the NATO adopted. Uh, in the 2010 document, uh, China wasn't mentioned even once, but in the new document, it's mentioned, I believe, around like ten times or so. So it, it, it also discusses quite extensively the, the the challenge that China poses uh, to to the uh, alliance uh, and its members, like both in Europe and 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 then in the Indo-Pacific, of course. NATO has also ended its major out-of-area operation in Afghanistan. Um, we all remember. Uh, the chaotic kind of withdrawal operation from, from Afghanistan in, in uh, autumn uh, 2021. But, of course, the NATO mission, like, they had already, like, ended before. But, like, Afghanistan has, has uh, is, is no longer an area where, where NATO, NATO is involved. And, of course, I mean, there's also a whole bunch of other issues and challenges have, that have come on NATO's agenda uh, since 2010, uh, such as new technologies like artificial intelligence, uh, quantum computing, Uh, the security implications of climate change, um, China, uh, I already mentioned, uh, cybersecurity in general. So there's quite a lot. And health security, of course. I mean, uh, given given the coronavirus pandemic that we're still not quite uh, over yet, but... Uh, the, the security landscape and the threats that NATO faces today are rather different compared to the threats that it was facing in, in, in 2010. So, as I already mentioned, uh, the, the strategic concept defines NATO's tasks and core missions. So what are these? Um, the new document um, says that NATO's purpose is to ensure the collective defense of its members um, and that it, ha- it will have uh, three core tasks. And these are deterrence and defense, crisis prevention and management, and then cooperative uh, security. And I think kind of like when you, when you have a look at the new document, um, I think the key takeaway from it is that NATO is re- really refocusing on its traditional mission of of uh, collective defense, of, of uh, ensuring um, the defense of Europe, especially against the threat coming from the east, and, and in particular from Russia. Um, I think Russia's actions, like since 2010, the uh, annexation of Crimea and now the unprovoked war against Ukraine, um, have really made NATO refocus on on, on this uh, traditional mission that it has had, and and it's it's, it's been a rather quick uh, refocusing because we remember that since since the 1990s there was a period in time when w- in which NATO's core mission almost was uh, out of area crisis management and, and intervening in places like. Bosnia and Herzegovina and Afghanistan, but that has changed. Um, and I, it, it's, it's also interesting that, well, interesting and I would say rather understandable that the first core challenge mentioned in the strategic uh, concept is, is the continuing war in Ukraine, and this, of course, kind of reflects the moment in time uh, that we are in. Interestingly, terrorism is the second kind of core challenge that is mentioned, and, and uh, I think kind of this also kind of reflects two things. Terrorism is still a key threat uh, and a key challenge that uh, allies face. But it also underlines the fact that allies continue to face like a rather different set of challenges. And we spoke earlier, Alvaro, about the uh, Finnish-Swedish like NATO accession process and there was a there was a period a rather frustrating period during that accession and, uh, process before nato formally approved the beginning of uh, finland's and sweden's accession process in which turkey was, was objecting to finland and sweden joining nato on the grounds that in turkey's view like they did not take turkey's cons- uh, concerns about terrorism uh, seriously enough and uh, turkey has been uh, really kind of pushing this uh, terrorism narrative within NATO, and I think kind of this reflects that. But, of course, terrorism is, is a challenge that continues to also, like, trouble other NATO allies as well. We've had inc- incidents quite recently, like in, in Europe as well, so we should not forget the challenge of terrorism. Perhaps, like, just um, also something that came to my mind is is, is that in, in the media and in many discussions, I mean, the strategic concept is also... Uh, viewed almost when the brussels bubble at least it's it's viewed as a very similar document uh, than uh, than like the uh, strategic compass that the eu adopted at the uh, at the end of march but i think it's important to underline that the strategic concept that NATO adopted and the EU's own strategic compass. They have to be kind of careful not to kind of confuse strategic concept with strategic uh, compass. <laughs> it's, it's very difficult to, 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 to memorize and remember, but it, it's important to emphasize that uh, these are two like rather different, I would say fundamentally different documents. And the difference comes from the purpose like, of the two documents. Like The purpose of NATO, the NATO document is really to define like, NATO's purpose and core mission. So what NATO is all about, what, what, what its key tasks are, and what the alliance should do. But the purpose of the strategic compass, on, on the one hand, is simply to guide the development of the EU security and defense policy from uh, today until uh, 2030. It, it does not seek to define the purpose of the EU security and defense policy uh, and it's, 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 it's when you go through the document, like there's, there's no attempt uh, to do that. There's a description of the EU's security environment and then a whole bunch of uh, 50 to or 60 uh, key concrete uh, action proposals that the EU should undertake between now and 2030 to boost the, uh, the effectiveness and credibility of its own security and defense policy. And the two documents are also rather different in size. I mean the NATO paper is about twelve pages, I think, but the EU one is close to sixty. <laughs> the the purpose of the EU security and defense policy is, of course, like defined in the treaty on the European Union in articles 41, 421, and 422. I mean, which simply like mentioned that's uh, it, it is about providing the EU with the capacity to conduct out-of-area operations and uh, that the common security and defense policy shall include the progressive framing of uh, common se- defense policy among the Union. So rather rather different different documents, uh, the two. But yeah, I mean, interesting times, lots of uh, strategy. I do apologize, that, uh, and I, I do understand, dear listeners, I mean, if you as well, like I mean, might confuse the strategic concept with the strategic compass. So it's, it's, there's a lot of different strategies like uh, going on in this discussion so it's not very easy to follow always and i do also apologize about my voice because i do have something in my in my chest so hopefully all of you are fine but yeah what do you think all about it yeah well um
0: first of all what, what i would like to to ask you nicholas is um yeah so far in these 80, 80 years of of nato more or less we had uh one strategic concept every decade roughly yeah um with the accelerating uh, changing uh, environment in, in security and defense environment, not only in Europe, but in the Pacific, first of all, is it, is it realistic to consider this strategic concept will be uh, valid, valid for the next decade or so? And if not, if, if, if the situation changes as fast as it happened since 2014, how easy would it be for NATO to adapt or evolve this strategic concept or create a new one
1: in the next few years if needed? Well, I think kind of two things. Like, it it takes, like, the security environment has changed dramatically, like, since the, the 2010 document. But it it's been an like incremental change, I would think. I mean, it's it's been kind of there's been kind of progressive steps or progressive challenges have mounted, have mounted, have mounted, and in the end, like, we now face a completely like different security environment that we did back in 20 uh, 2010. Uh, also, uh, NATO, of course, has already kind of uh, adapted to the new challenges, um, new environment, uh, like when, when uh, they have changed. The strategic concept, like, of course, kind of plays an important like, role in like, setting uh, NATO's core mission and tasks. But uh, NATO is in a constant state or process of adopting and and, and adapting to to new challenges and threats when they emerge. I mean, it it doesn't rigidly stick to the um, strategic concept that it has. So, if something happens that requires NATO to uh, adapt, become more flexible, um, change its its posture, it can do that, of course. but, but I think, um, or I do hope, that we can stick to this new strategic concept, uh, at least for the time being, and then um, perhaps uh, after, after a decade or so, we can again like, have a look if, if we need to uh, uh, adapt the, the, the core purpose and mission of NATO. Okay.
0: Yeah, because on the eighth point of the, of the, of the strategic concept in the strategic environment uh, section, the, the first sentence says, literally, the Russian Federation is the most significant and direct threat to allies' security and to peace and stability in the Euro-Atlantic area. So uh, the thing is, in the next decade, Putin may very well die, for natural causes or not, and would this uh, sentence will still be valid if if he's not around or if his government falls eventually. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to know that there's... Uh, Flexibility and possibility to to adapt, and because of course China is mentioned um, along the paper everywhere, but but I think, in my opinion, China should share some protagonism in this uh, in this uh, main threat uh, co- consideration, and they focus a lot on Russia now, and I I'm just concerned that I might be the heat of the moment with Russia, but but. We forget a little bit to give the 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 real important importance China
1: deserves. And yeah, I mean, there's certainly an element of that. I mean, every every document, every document like this, uh, whether it's produced by NATO or the European Union, I mean, to some extent, like reflects the 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 environment and the context in which it was produced, and and both the strategic concept and the EU strategic compass were produced. Against the background of, uh, first of all, the uh, Russian military buildup um, uh, along the border of Ukraine, and then since February, the uh, the, the ongoing invasion uh, of Ukraine by the Russian Federation. So this, of course, given that they're they're happening, it is happening so close to 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 Europe itself, um, influences like both documents like very heavily, but. I would say that when you have a look at the like when you go through the strategic concept in particular like it's it's, it's it does address like quite effectively like also the uh the various other aspects or ve- various other challenges that nato faces like whether whether we talk about china whether we talk about the security aspects of climate change cyber security etc and cooperating with partners such as the european union there's also quite a lot on on uh, EU-NATO cooperation, both in the strategic concept and the EU Strategic Compass, uh, which I think is very good. But I mean, of course, if 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 the hypothetical situation that uh, there would be a, a change of leadership in the Kremlin, like the, the there would be suddenly a president in Russia, like who would be a, a model democrat, and Russia would become a, like a model democracy, and 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 uh, become a uh, uh, an open-minded partner t- uh, to, to, to NATO, the European Union, and the United States, and the West as a whole, then, uh, of course, I would imagine that uh, NATO would probably I mean, revise like this document and, and, and uh, to make it reflect more of the current environment that it faces.
0: And on EU-NATO cooperation, uh, there's many uh, experts these days uh, discussing whether these strategic concepts and this reboost of NATO may um, weaken. Uh, the European strategic autonomy. Do you agree with that? Is, is, it, is it that moment or is actually
1: strengthening both the European defense and security and NATO well, compatible? Well, we have to first ask, uh, what is European strategic autonomy as well? <laughs> uh, I would almost say kind of Europe's strategic autonomy is like also in, in some way kind of uh, tied <clears throat> to, a, to a credible NATO and a credible like transatlantic relationship. Um, but no i don 't think like these these two things are not in competition uh, with each other at all uh, NATO and the european union European security and defense policy. Um, what has been really positive in the past years, i think is that nato uh, and and the United States uh, more specifically like have become a lot more positive in their in their view about um the EU's own like security and defense policy the EU's own aspirations in the in 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 the field of security and defense because like in in the in the late 1990s and early 2000s like when the eu really like began to to um work in the field of security and defense there was a little bit of skepticism I think in Washington actually quite a bit of skepticism initially that the eu would try to kind of replicate what NATO is doing and like develop itself into a some sort of um, military superpower. There was actually a very active academic debate going on in the early 2000s about uh, how the EU is developing into a superpower, which has now like died down. When people have like noticed that this is not actually happening, but um, both like NATO Secretary General like Stoltenberg and like President Biden in the U.S. Have, have emphasized like time and again that I mean the EU security and defense policy is also like a key key element uh, that supports uh, NATO's uh, collective defense, uh, especially what the EU is doing in the area of resilience and capability development. I mean, this is something that benefits the alliance. and I, I think kind of we've moved a little bit uh, past the um, duplicate, uh, whether the EU should duplicate like uh, NATO or, or not uh, debate, which is good. I th-
0: sure. And um, exactly, precisely on that issue, uh, on the American scene that uh, uh, not only interested in that Europe Europe, uh, Mm. develops a a good uh, defense capacity, but also that they commit on the spending and on the uh, technical requirements to to really be uh, ready to defend Europe Mm. themselves. Uh, We have also always the question mark of uh, the election in 2024 and whether someone like Donald Trump or someone uh, as radical as him in the Republican Party may come uh, to power again and the facto uh, we can uh, nato or say we are only willing to continue yeah, this project if you if you live to your uh, to your promises how 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 probable is that, that that really europe in the next few years keeps the the investment keeps the the, the mood and the, and the and the and the dynamic the dynamism to to really reach this this um, investment and these capabilities and that we really can uh, demonstrate
1: our American partners that we are here for for the long term. Well, it's it's difficult to say how probable. I think the uh, like what has happened like since 2016 or so is that um, both in the EU context and in NATO, uh, and especially now, like given the war in Ukraine, like there's been a little bit of an awakening, uh, especially in countries that uh, are not facing any immediate existential security threats themselves. Um, the, 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 there's a feeling that we need to take security and defense like more seriously because we face an aggressive Russia. Uh, China's ambitions are increasing. Uh, it could be possible that perhaps in the future, like when the leadership in the White House like will change. We might have another debate on, like, whether the United States should withdraw from the, from NATO or not. Because let's not forget that there was a semi-serious debate when uh, Donald Trump was in the White House about whether he might or might not withdraw the United States from NATO. And um, Europeans, of course, kind of need to be prepared for these sort of things. But fundamentally, what what Europeans like need to do is to make sure that they have the capabilities, means, and political willingness to handle their security like by themselves. Because this is not something that's also like good for Europe, but it's also Benef- beneficial for NATO and the United States. So the more capable it is, I mean, the the the, the, the less likely the United States is to remain uh, remain interested in what, what Europe is, what Europe is doing, and uh, feel like it has, a, like, worthy allies to cooperate with. Because otherwise, I mean, if we go back to the situation of the late 1990s or, like, early 2000s, when defense budgets, like, were going down, 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 um, like, the Americans will say, like, look, we've been telling you to get serious about this stuff, but I mean, like you're more f- interested in your kind of social spending and, and uh, other things, and and, and uh, but you need to chip in. But if it doesn't happen, I mean, it's, it's uh, uh, good luck uh, trying to uh, have an effective NATO and, and a credible European security and defense policy. But of course, we're now facing a record inflation, um, like we're facing um, a situation in, in, in which um, the, the economy was almost like shut down for a few years because of the coronavirus pandemic. Lots of spending uh, will have to go into transforming Europe uh, into a more green continent and to implement the uh, the European Green Deal. So there w- will be a lot of like competing uh, demands for like European cash. Mm-hmm. And uh, although like we're now super focused on security and defense, I mean, a time will come in which uh, like uh, other budget lines like will become like more important. It's just the nature of politics. So we have to like wait and see what happens. But I, I, don't, I, I, I don't expect that this, this current level of interest uh, and political willingness towards enhancing Europe's role in security and defense is sustainable forever. Uh, because something else like will 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 take over the agenda and and we have to like then we have we'll have other spending priorities
0: yeah let's let's hope so, because only since Madrid already some governments like mine in Madrid agreed on delay the the commitment of investment until two thousand and twenty nine and despite the strategic concept have had that has some lines like we will enhance our security. Our energy security and investing in a stable and reliable energy supply, suppliers and sources, countries like Spain, right after the, 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 this this Madrid summit, um, continue their deteriorating relations with providers like Algeria. And now for the first time in in many years, Spain imports more gas from Russia than from Algeria, which is ironic in this precise moment. So yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that the commitment in some of the, especially Western and Southern European countries will be there the next years to come. Um, I wanted to ask you, Nicholas, because there's a very interesting, uh, at least to my understanding, a very interesting point in in the purpose and principle section Mm. where the strategic concept says, we will strengthen our alliance based on our indivisible security. Mm. I wonder how strong... Are the mechanism within NATO to and en- to enhance and to and to um, make sure that this indivisible security is maintained? In, for example, uh, pragmatical uh, examples like Turkey-Greece. A couple of days ago, we have this huge uh, problematic with these uh, uh, government officials of Turkey showcasing a map of, of Turkey, including yeah, I saw that. lots of uh, islands yeah. of Greece, and the the, the relations are. Uh, the, the situation is, is heating up is is there any 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 way nato can really ensure this the, 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 this indivisible security among its members yeah uh, like
1: how how indivisible is this yeah. indivisible security it's a good question but i mean like there are consultation mechanisms uh in in, in nato and i i believe is it article four of the washington treaty like i have to check but which which talks about the the need to ensure kind of effective consultation whenever there are security challenges or not. Um, But but the situation in the Eastern Mediterranean is, of course, particularly challenging because, like, it it is a case in which, like, there are issues and tensions, like, between two NATO allies. And and, um, it is something that both the European Union... um, about NATO and the United States, I mean, have been like trying to kind of like help resolve. And um, the, the the challenge is that Turkey seems to have uh, like somewhat like revisionist ideas of like where its like territory, like maritime like territory lies, and 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 um, frustrations about its 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 uh, exclusive economic zones, like which is of course then creating. Very understandable nervousness and uh, in, in in Athens uh, in Greece, and um, but yeah, I mean NATO has to, has to continue to try to play a role in like uh, solving finding some sort of uh, first of all uh, both NATO and the EU like need to stand with 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 Greece. To to ensure that like the we we, we uh, protect the territorial kind of uh, sovereignty and and the current maritime uh, borders that there are in in the Eastern Mediterranean, but they don't also like facilitate like dialogue and like try to kind of normalize like the the tensions relations in the Eastern Mediterranean um, somewhat a little bit, but. <sighs> it is It is a challenging uh, situation, and I had something in my mind that I like wanted to also like say to this, but for whatever reason, I seem to have like lost it my track of thought, so I have to kind of uh, see like if it comes back to my mind, but yeah, it does happen sometime, dear leaders, I do apologize and <laughs> well i I truly hope that the allies really
0: see the big picture focus and remain united in in the real threats that are many and uh, even though as the strategic concept uh, phrases, mm-hmm. the Euro-Atlantic area is not at peace. Mm-hmm. I, I hope that we can enjoy our
1: summer in, Absolutely, in, a, in the yeah. most peaceful way. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and now I also like remember like what I wanted to say earlier, like it came back to my mind. Uh, it, it, it's that if, if, if you imagine that the situation in the eastern Mediterranean is now tense, I mean, like just think how much, how much more tense it would be, I mean, if Turkey would not be a NATO ally. Because I, sure. I think we, 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 we forget sometimes that I, I think NATO has somewhat of a calming effect, probably. And if if uh, Turkey would not be in the alliance like with Greece, I mean, then like gloves might come off like even, even more. That the, it, it has somewhat of a stabilizing effect in the eastern Mediterranean, even though it might not like always Look look at that. But I, th- I think the alliance is, uh, is is still fundamentally better off with Turkey as a member as well. But yeah, uh, thanks a lot uh, to to you, Alvaro, again for, for for joining, and it was it was fun to thank you. Very interesting to talk about um, this topic, and thanks to everybody like who was listening. Um, I do hope you you will all have a very pleasant summer, uh, and that you will join us again uh, in the autumn, like when we record the next episode. Thanks a lot and have a very pleasant day. Cheers. That was today's episode of Defense Dialogue.
0: Subscribe to our podcasts for more.